and welcome to Bears Beyond the Gate, a Bristol Bears podcast made by fans for fans. We're full season ticket holders at Ashton Gate who love the club, the game and all things Bears. In this week's show, we discuss the key points from Bristol's 37-20 win over bogey team Wasps. A lot of pressure on Tiff at 10 before the game, but in the end, all was well in the Garden of Eden. We also look forward to next week's game away at Northampton Saints. With the unavailable list at long last starting to shorten, who will Pat pick for this game? We also talk Six Nations performances, Champions Cup draw and the arrival of some new faces. All this and more on this week's show. I'm Tony and this week I'm joined by Lee, Miles and Pete for a cheeky beer and some rugby banter. Well, gentlemen, great to see you. And uh, it's great that once again, we've got a win to talk about in the show. Let me go to you first, Miles. Um, I, the definition on my screen, because we on Sunday evenings, we use uh, some recording <laughs> software to, yeah. to do the shows. Uh, uh, you seem to be sporting a black eye. <laughs> now, I, I'm certainly interested to know why you've got a black eye. Maybe you could, you could enlighten the uh, listeners as well. Well, listen, lads, you, you know, we got this 15-year monkey off our back by beating wasps, which uh, and by the on the 81st minute when we got that five-point uh, bonus point, I literally jumped up from my sofa, smashed my fist in the air to, to celebrate, and I smacked myself in the eye. <laughs> and, and my wife was in stitches, and I had to sit there for the next 15 minutes with an ice pack on. Uh, so this is this is the dedication I am showing to support Bristol Bears. So I've got to go into work tomorrow and somehow tell some cock and ball story that my, my wife hit me or something like that. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, you know, victims, uh, you know, they often come up with fanciful stories to uh, explain their injuries. But, uh, well, uh, we, we hope you, your, your eyes better soon. And uh, it, if, if you need to wear some boxing gloves next time you, you watch a game, then uh, let us know. Um, Lee, let me come to you. How, how are you this week, sir? Uh, well, I think, oh, can we just pass pass on me this week, Tony? Because obviously football is is, is taking a, a serious downward spiral for me today. So um, I'd, I'd rather I'd rather just... Just look at Miles's beautiful face and, and see it all square. I'll be honest, I didn't realise he had the power to actually inflict the black eyes. I thought, I thought you were about Lee. I thought you were about to say to, to be honest, it's an improvement. <laughs> no, it certainly, it certainly cheered me up and taken my mind off football, boys. All right, so Lee, we won't come to you about football. Uh, Pete, should we come to you about football? No, let's no. not go there either. Uh, no. you, you boys, mind you, I haven't said that. My my beloved West Ham are playing Man United tonight. We're uh, recording on Sunday evening, so uh, I, I shouldn't be uh, shouldn't be too uh, too cocky about uh, football results this weekend. But let's talk rugby. Uh, Miles, going into the game, uh, while you still had two functioning eyes. Um, <laughs> How, how how did you think? Uh, how do you think the game would go after you saw the the team revealed on Thursday lunchtime? Uh, I suspect, like you boys and uh, most of the fans, are a little bit nervous about. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're down to the bare bones. We all know that as fans, and literally down to our sort of fourth selection of, of, of fly half. And I think we're all a little bit nervous as how. 
the pressure would mount on on Tiff and how he would manage and play the game. So a little bit worried. Wasps, we know, are a very dangerous side, whether they've got their Willises and Launchbury's playing. <laughs> you know, it's taken 15 years to beat them and they've snuck two wins in the last five minutes of the last two seasons. I was a bit nervous. So I think that the turnaround of the win at the end was certainly a joyous occasion. And Lee, uh, your thoughts, particularly when uh, we went 10-0 down, uh, were you worried this was going to be the same old story as far as uh, games against Wasps are concerned? I, I, I was, Tony, to be honest, like Miles had just alluded to then. I mean, we've we've been seriously scarred by this team, haven't we? I mean, the well, at least two on two occasions, they've uh, popped up and scored tries in the last, you know, dying embers of a game. To beat us and um it was looking a bit ominous wasn't it i mean and also when that weather started coming in it was absolutely chucking it down wasn't it and uh it was it was credit to the side that they stuck it out and, and got the win in the end do you know it's a little aside we must have really good double glazing in our house because uh I, I was sitting in the front room quite near the window and it's pouring down with rain on the TV screen. I'm there thinking, oh, is it raining outside? So uh, it kind of gives me, because uh, we all live within the BS3 area, you kind of get your your weather check thanks to uh, BT Sport. Uh, Pete, let me come to you. Uh, so we were 10-0 down early on. Uh, were you worried? Or once um, we, we got back on level terms, did you think uh, it was ours for the taking? No, I was I was pretty calm. I think when you when you look back at it, we actually had two pretty serious visits to their twenty-two in that first ten minutes, and and we didn't come away with any points. But we kind of looked sharp and we looked ready for the game. It's always a bit worrying when you go you go you know quite a few points down. But no, I, I felt I felt quite comfortable all the way through the game. It was it was a tough game, and I don't think it was as comprehensive as some people might say. But I do feel that once uh, Tiff had kind of got his confidence going and got a few kicks off away and and it clearly looked like we were playing a, a, a more of a territory based game I, I just thought you know we've got quality here we, we, we're gonna we'll see this through so yeah a little bit nervous but um I mean to be fair I was quite excited after uh, did you see uh, the warm-up that Sean Marsden did at the beginning yeah uh, that was, was talking to the boys that was brilliant wasn't it I, got, I mean that got me really going for watching I was like I was pumped yeah. Um, but yeah, really interesting stuff that. So yeah, t- to answer your question, Tony, yeah, it was a bit worrying. And, and ironically, we had a slow start rather than a, a, a fast start for a change. And then and obviously reversed our kind of fortunes in the second half. So yeah. Yeah. And, and on that Sean Marsden interview just before the game on BT Sport, I mean, that has dispelled the myth that men can't multitask, yeah. doesn't it? Because he was having a, a training session with the, the, the squad out on the pitch and doing an interview and just cutting from one to another. It was brilliant. And he picked up the cones as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was yeah. seamless, uh, wasn't it? It was brilliant. It, yeah, that was that was very impressive indeed. Uh, so, Miles, we uh, we got on the scoreboard, uh, try for Piers O'Connor, but uh, really made by our man, Charles Piertel. Um you know, what, what, once that try went in, I mean, what were your thoughts once once we'd scored that try? I mean, yeah, that, that was a great try by Connor. What was it, about 90 minutes or so? I mean, um, Charles was just phenomenal to run through that sort of, you, you know, tiny gap in their line, really, and to pass out to O'Connor. 
you know, he, he wasn't a selfish chap, saw, saw that he may have been tackled. It was just brilliant. And I thought at that point, I thought Charles was playing well, playing good running lines. I thought, actually, this is going to be, you know, a fairly even game. And there's probably, hopefully, very little little to worry about from then on in. Certainly. And Lee, uh, we went in at the break. Um, I'm, I'm just trying to remember. Was it 16? 16-13. Yeah, 16-13, wasn't it? Um uh, how, how did you feel at half time? Um, bearing in mind that one wasps are a bogey team for us, and two, in the previous five games, we'd only scored one try in the second half. Yeah, I mean, it, there, there was warning signs there. I mean, obviously, with um, with them getting the penalty as well just before half time to to reduce the deficit. Um, I mean, I was thinking it's going to go right down to the wire again, as uh, as the last few games have done at Ashton Gate against wasps. But it was a better second half performance, wasn't it? And it was, um, and we'd actually scored some tries this time. So um, it was, it was quite the turnaround actually for the, from the last few weeks. Yeah, and Lee, uh, as a Bristolian, how pleased were you to see the King of Southmead getting his first league try? I didn't realise no. he'd not scored in no, the league. No, I, I was, I was shocked when they said that because I was, I was trying to think. I'm sure he scored somewhere. Um, and it was yeah, it was brilliant. I thought Joycey was fantastic in the second row. Him and um, and Big Dave, uh, an all Bristolian second row. I thought both of those guys were immense. Yeah, and of course the try was given by uh, Jimmy Gopuff, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah, great sportsmanship. Uh, <laughs> great, great sportsmanship. But uh, funny, I was reading something on social media saying this this happened once before somewhere. Uh, but the the person saying that's all right, ref, give the try. It was because there was some skullduggery <laughs> that would have uh, would have been found out by uh, various angles. But no, I think Jimmy Gopeth, uh, it was absolute s- superb sportsmanship. Um, and then uh, Pete, uh, the next try came. Adi Alokan uh, in the corner. Um, he, he he really is looking the real deal now, isn't he? Yeah, he finished that really, really well. I mean, it, I think I, I read somewhere that was his his only carry <laughs> of the game. But um, I, I was really impressed. But it was a beautiful try. It was a beautiful setup, wasn't it? And and full marks uh, to Tiff Eden, who did one of those little kind of no look reverse wraparound pop passes to Charles Piertau all on the on the on the uh, on the move and then obviously Charles the uh, the boss of BS3 just th- I think it was a 19 meter pass on the run off his left hand straight to Addy and he still had to finish it but that was a that was just that was that was trademark Bristol wasn't it the uh, beautiful everything just everything working together in in fluid motion and I think from that that really that sealed it I think up to that point it was still up for grabs the game and you know we'd been lucky really with Joycey's try because it was off the hit post wasn't it and uh, so we were looking for three and ended up with seven Um, but that try was the that was when I really relaxed actually I just thought yeah the boys are back do do you think we could class that as a filthy try I think it was filthy as anything Tony (laughs) I had to go and have a shower I had to have a shower I had to put put BT Sport on pause (laughs) I had to go and have a quick shower after that (laughs) <laughs> it was filthy. Uh, and Miles, Pete, uh, Pete mentioned it there. Uh, Tiff Eden um, during the game, three penalties, uh, all, all bouncing off the posts. Um, hugely unusual to see that in a game. And you, you, I mean, Callum, she- Callum Sheedy must be fuming. 
because that's been his trademark, hasn't it, over the last year or so, hitting the woodwork, and now Tiff's Tiff trumped him with a hat trick. <laughs> well, you're, you're absolutely right, you see. My worry is now that Tiff's now got a contract uh, with our mate Leah to repaint the posts. He's <laughs> taken that taken that away from, from Callum Sheedy. I mean, to be fair, though, he had seven successful kicks in that game, didn't he? And scored 17 points. And, you know, OK, he hit the post three times. Some would say one was a little bit easy. But I've got a theory here, boys. I mean, pre-match, Max Laheith was seen, wasn't he, uh, stretching and pushing his head up against the post. <laughs> and my worry is that the posts were still reverberating for the entire match. And that, and that, and that caused Tiff to sort of miss the sticks, as it were. That's a great that's only a, that's only a theory, but I thought it, there was a massive pressure on that lad, wasn't there, to get the kicks in in that game. And, and he was rightly so. He was praised massively by Pat at the end. Good on him. It's flowing locks. A couple of times he had to sweep the hair out of his eyes, didn't he? But I think Boyd did good, actually. Yeah. Absolutely. Lots of pressure on him. And, uh, yeah, I think he, 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 he did really well. Lee, let's just talk about that last try. Um, Wasps went down um, and scored a consolation try. Uh, we're desperate then to try and get within seven for a losing bonus point. And uh, our man, Jimmy Goffith, um, gifted, gifted us really that, um, that the, the bonus try. Um, were, were you confident when we had that line out that, uh, that we were going to score? I, I thought, I've, I've gotten written down on my notes that I thought we were going to miss out because obviously one one. The turnover happened with Will Rowlands. I thought, well, that's 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 the last chance we'll get. Um, and bizarrely, Gopper actually played really well, didn't he? And the, he's the one person you've probably said in the Wasp team you wouldn't expect to have done that. And I, I realised they were chasing the game at the end, you know, for um, for their own kind of um, bonus point, losing bonus point. But um, but it was yeah, it was fantastic just to to get that try at the end, and and we roll on with a you know a four or five points again for um for next week. Yeah, and Vui looked uh, really pleased with that. That was yeah. some uh, some some hard driving, wasn't it, at uh, their line? And uh, Pete, let me just come to you, Gopeth. We 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 have a theory about maybe why he played like he played, haven't we? <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, at, at times he felt like he was our 16th man. <laughs> and uh, obviously coming to the end of his career, uh, born and bred in New Zealand, uh, perhaps he wants a coaching job after he retires. And, and uh, where might he look to uh, to be mentored by someone else from the uh, the fair, uh, the Windy Isle, or whatever it's called. So, uh, yeah, we think maybe um, maybe just at that last minute, he suddenly thought, ooh, I could see Pat in the stands with his checkbook out like that. Just caught a glint of you caught a glint of Pat's gold fountain pen, and, uh, and uh, I thought, yeah, go on, let's try something. So yeah, I mean, he would be a he'd be a great kicking coach, wouldn't he? Gopeth, he'd, he'd, he'd show up, he'd, he'd teach our players how to kick straight. I'm sure. Certainly would. He'd probably still do a job for a year or two as well, wouldn't he, uh, on uh, on the bench? But uh, let, let's talk about player performances then. Uh, come to Miles first. Um, if may, maybe looking at the pack, Miles, uh, who, who stood out for you? Um, I mean, I think uh, the, the, the engine of the second row, Joyce, he had a fantastic game, and you know we we saw uh, we saw Atwood absolutely flatten Fekatoa, didn't we? Who's by all means not a small Kiwi, is he? He's a solid defender. Smashed him, 
So I'd like to sort of commend Joycey and Atwood, the, you know, the two Bristolian lads in, in the second row. They had a, a storming, storming game, the pair of them. And uh, 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 Miles, the uh, the return in Hughes and Byrne, good to see them back. Did that that make a difference for us? Well, it was really. I mean, they had excess excess strapping on their knees, the pair of them, didn't they? Really, <laughs> they obviously uh, had a little chat in the week and said, "Well, can I have a bit more elastoplast than you, Nathan?" I thought the boys did well. You can understand why they were taken off really shortly after the sort of second half. You know, and, and we saw Nathan putting some an ice pack on, didn't we? Those boys have only just come back. They've obviously got a little niggling the injuries, but it was brilliant to see them back. Nathan's flowing sort of uh, locks. Peter probably hates it. He's a bleak. He, they've been to the hairdressers, haven't they? Oh, cool. Sorry, a, a self a home one. Yeah, I thought the boys did well. Actually, uh, they were solid for the time they were on. Uh, very little mistakes, and it was it was great to see those two back. I think uh, they, I mean, they were taken off after forty eight minutes, which is a uh, both of them, weren't they? I mean, eight minutes. So I have a theory that relates to your strapping thing, uh, Miles, because I think it started raining <laughs> at, just at half time, isn't it? And I think uh, eight minutes of that rain, they they were like twice their body weight, weren't they? With all that with all that water, so they didn't have any choice; they had to come off. Um, yeah. and actually, on a, on a note, on a serious note, I. I mean, we do take the Mickey out of Nathan Hughes, but I, I I read somewhere that he's doing this as a as a sort of charity thing, isn't he? For or supporting the uh, um, isn't he supporting the storm victims in Fiji? Is something to do with his hair or something like that? So um, I always say we we have to be a little bit careful about taking the Mickey out of him. But I mean, the trouble is, he did give away a couple of penalties, Nathan. When you do have this massive blonde flowing barnet. It is quite easy for the ref ref to spot you, isn't it? And uh, you know, I did feel like there was a, there was maybe one penalty where I just thought if he if he'd had a short back and sides, he might have got away with it. But yeah, fair play to him. He's a he's a real character. It was great to see him back on the on the park, wasn't it? I, I think to be fair to Nathan, his rig. <laughs> Yeah, he stands out, yeah, doesn't it? Too, yeah, yeah. You, you, you're not going to you're not going to confuse him with Jan Lloyd, are you, or Andy Urin at uh, at that term? Let's uh, talking about Andy Urin uh, and Tiff Eden, the nine and ten Lee. How how did you see their respective games? Yeah, I think if I mention Andy first, because I think the last couple of weeks he's um, you know he's he's performed really well, and I thought the some of the kicks I thought was really they they were really top quality kicks for um for Andy this week and they they both of them played the the weather conditions didn't they it was it was you know it was actually great kind of thinking process there but with Tiff I, I've got to, I've got to say and I'm glad you've asked me about him because I mean when we did our, our little Facebook um you know three key players thing this week um I did say in it at Tiff Eden I really think that was a make or break career game for him because um, you know, obviously, the the times that he's come on and and he he's really, really not played uh, well at all. And for him to come on weather conditions like that, blowing a gal, um, to like Mars had said, to to actually kick the seven kicks that he did, um, obviously banked him one off the post, which gave us a, a you know a, in, in the end a try. So I thought he was absolutely. Brilliant, and the soft hands that Pete had said for um for the try, you know, top marks to the kid. Come in and play like that, and um, rightly so, he got the praise. 
Yeah, and Pete, let me come to you. Let's finish off the uh, the, the kind of lineup, really. Uh, Eleven through to fifteen. Who uh, who caught your eye? Um, uh, I'm just thinking about your maths there. So, hang on, eleven through fifteen. Right. Anyway, I'll tell you one thing first: is that I think we agree. We chatted about this beforehand. That what I thought was very good, taken away from individuals, that we definitely had a game plan that suited the game and we we played a much more territorial game and I don't know about you boys but that was partly why I was feeling quite relaxed all the way through the game because we 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 seemed to we got that balance that we've always talked about a little bit about playing for territory and when you when you dominate territory even if you're behind in some of the other stats you invariably win and I was looking at the stats I think we had 66% territory but we we were actually uh, you know, we didn't have as many line breaks as them, and we we actually missed more tackles and we gave away more penalties. But because we were in that territory, it's where you, it's where all these things happen, isn't it? That really matters. So I just think, you know, I think clearly Pat had, had put this game plan together partly to pre- for the weather, maybe partly to protect Tiff a little bit, um, you know, and just kind of keep. We just didn't, you know, just to put some pressure on Wasps and play for it. So I just thought that's why I felt so relaxed all through the game. I just thought we had a real clear plan. And I think Andy um, really executed it pretty well. Um, his kicking was good. Um, yeah, a couple of other things. I was, I, was, I think we're, I meant, we mentioned him all week, but I think we have to. Just looking at the, at the, at the sort of three major stats um, and the top three in them. So Dan Thomas, brilliant, 14 tackles. But Big Steve had, was second with 10 tackles. Most line-out takes, Joycey six, Big Steve second with four. And then most carries, Nathan, Big Nathan eight, Big Steve with seven. So, I mean, Luatour, again, he's just, he's such a, such a, I mean, we say it all week, but I just, I'm going to keep on saying it until he has a bad game. But I don't think he ever will because he's such an important, and he even pops up, you know, he even popped up on the wing, didn't he? When Tiff did that little yeah. chip, chip over and he almost got on it. And you would have, you would have, you would have, you would have, put money on him sidestepping the winger and then accelerating to the line. So yeah, really good. I mean, in the center O'Connor was, was, was brilliant again. I mean, I think these, these stats have been going around this, this uh, week, hasn't it? That he's the only player in the premiership to have played every single minute. Um, And, you know, he just does so much quality work, defensive and attack. And you know that if he gets half a chance, he's going to take it. And actually Purdy had a quiet game, but I think that was a good thing that Purdy had a quiet game because he was he was doing a good job at outside centre. He didn't, you know, he didn't get the opportunity to to break, but he was he, I thought he was he was solid as well. And for his third time third time out of position, mm-hmm. I mean what a ledge he is. Defensively, Purdy was was good, wasn't he? Wasn't yeah. like Pete said. Then attacking wise, he wasn't quite the same force. But what he did make up for was the defense. I don't think it's. I mean, it wasn't an outside centre sort of game, was it? Because no. the ball was being back. You know, he was there to kind of get half a yard, try and pump those piston thighs two or three meters, defend. You know, I thought he did. I thought he played really well, but in a kind of understated sort of way. Just one thing. Have we got? Has, has Max Laheef got any fingernails left? Because did you see when he was when they scored their first try? He tried to pull the guy back, and then he was having his fingers strapped up. And I was thinking, I wonder if he's got any any nails left at all there. But Max was quiet actually. I thought he, out of everyone in the team, I thought Laheef was probably um, not. He didn't play badly, but I think he was he was just quiet really for him. Uh, I, I thought I thought he had a pretty reasonable mm. gain, and there was an incredible rip just yeah, before yeah. they scored their try down, down at their end. I, I just couldn't believe he came up with the ball and then just 
just managed to pop it out uh, to 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 one of our players. But again, it's good. Pat said, I think in the post match interview that it was definitely going to be forty minutes for Max, 40, 40 for John Afoa. So uh, I think it's great now. He's got a game and a half under his belt. Um, you know, we all know Max has had a few problems with injuries, a couple of concussions. Um, uh, so you know, it's great to see him him firing. Um, Pete, on your review of players from eleven through to fifteen, not going to mention fifteen oh, at well, all. I thought we, I thought we already <laughs> mentioned him ages ago, hadn't he? Yeah, I mean, okay, let's let's do it. Thanks for that. I mean, Charles Piertau. I'd go as far as saying that was probably almost his best performance I've seen. Uh, partly because he was he was bossing the show and he was taking responsibility and he was going in the ten channel at times. He didn't drop. He he, he was. He was playing traditional fullback at times. He didn't drop a high ball. He just looked like he'd taken on that real leadership responsibility, put his arm around Tiff, um, but at the same time wasn't kind of patronising him and actually thought, my God, what what an unbelievable player and uh, uh, extraordinary. I mean, that try, I mean, Miles said, oh, you know, I say he went through a little gap. I mean, it was quite a big gap, actually. Because, but he took a mile. I mean, he just sold him Margaret down the down the river, and um, and and just just the little things he does, like he carries five yards rather than three, and he just takes a few more players. And 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 despite all of that, not once did one strand of hair come off that side parting. <laughs> I mean, what a legend! <laughs> Absolutely. I, I can't believe some sponsors not come in, you <laughs> know, grilled cream or some hair, hair gel to say, you know, we've got that to sponsor is, this guy. The sharpest you know, haircut in the premiership, isn't it? And it never moves. Absolutely. Lee, I, you want to I say something? I just want to quickly add, you know, what Peter just said about Peter Tau looking after uh, Tiff Eden. But did anyone see um, Eden had won a turnover on 33 minutes? And did anyone see Purdy getting so excited that he knew? I thought he was going to pull Tiff Eden's head off. It's like going absolutely <laughs> berserk on him. <laughs> well, well he, he certainly took an interesting position to support Tiff Eden, <laughs> yeah. didn't he, in that, in, in that rough. Um, they, they, they were very close. There was no two-metre social distancing uh, 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 at that point. Um, couple, cu- couple of things for me, um, just little incidents. There was Atwood getting um, penalised for a oh, yeah. high tackle when he was about – he was only about oh, two inches off the ground, harsh. wasn't he? Mm. Um, and, yeah, I know the letter of the law is, you know, it was it – was, around his neck but the bloke would pretty much fall and flat on his face yeah. um, it reminded me it, it was like the lowest high tackle ever it reminds me in football when you get people that do the lowest headers ever you know that yeah. they header it they to score like a, a, an inch off the ground it was I mean that would looked he just looked disgusted at Dixon didn't he when Dick, Dixon was like oh I know I know mate it was a bit low but you know he's like just wait until I'm a lawyer mate. I will take you to the cleaners yeah, it, was, was, it was funny <laughs> and and then the 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 other thing was their um, their hooker was it Ogre? Yeah. Um and you know how ridiculous, <laughs> ridiculous Tony it was ri- ridiculous how yeah. far onto the pitch he was right in front of the the linesman uh, I mean he could have basically leant over and just given the ball yeah. to well, the front of their line he was so far and, on and the pitch. Joking, as well, yeah. constantly joking aside yeah. it, I don't understand this I mean 
this is a simple rule. And if you don't referee the simple things, then players are just going to get it in their heads. They can do what they want. And it's like there was a couple of... I, I thought Ogre threw a couple of crooked line-outs as well that Dixon didn't seem to appear to mm. look at. But the, the foot thing, I mean, it was ridiculous. It wasn't like a case of his toe just being over his line. His whole heel was over the line. Wasn't yeah. it? it was ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, I mean to be fair, Brian Burke wasn't much better, but it just annoys me. Like, these, these, these rules exist. Um... So referee them because it's an easy way to stamp your authority very quickly on the game. And it's easier than having to work out what's going on at the, the breakdown. So I just don't understand why they don't do it. And, you know, and actually Dixon, I would have thought he's the sort of bloke that would be a bit of a stickler for that sort of thing. You know, yeah. it's, uh, and mm. I just, I mean, I don't know whether somebody had a word with him because then I, I kept looking late later on to see where he was standing on every line out. And he definitely got a bit further back. So I'm wondering whether maybe at half time they saw it on the BT Sport feed because they talked about it quite a lot didn't they but i just find it i just think why is it optional it's it's such an easy thing to referee and it's that it's an easy authority anyway uh, uh, absolutely uh, and before we move on i just wanted to say um you know i i think the 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 subs bench the the spare bears uh played an important part there um yeah we got the three tries in the second half um, but when you've got the like of Capon, Woolmer, Afoa, Vui and Heenan all coming on, that that's some boost to a team to 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 have those guys coming back on. And great to see Fricker uh, getting another 10 minutes plus as well. So uh, really good. Um, well, let's have a look at the results from this weekend. Uh, Exeter 21, Quinns 20. Um, looked like there could have been an upset there. Um, uh, very close game. Newcastle 19, Bath 38. Bath starting to hit a little bit of form, a bit like last season where they had a very strong second half of the season. Uh, next week's opponents, Northampton Saints 17, Sale 14. So uh, a big win for them at Franklin Gardens. Gloucester 14, Leicester 20. Uh, and then today's game on Sunday, London Irish 20, Worcester 17. So that leaves the table with Bristol top on uh, 51 points, Exeter second on 44, and then Quinn's third on 39. And I think when I looked at it, uh, for the playoff places at the moment, we're 15 points ahead of the fifth place team. Uh, and for finishing for a Champions Cup place, we're uh, 20 points ahead of the seventh place team. So uh, really uh, a phenomenal uh, position that we, we find ourselves in. So let's move on then. The next game is Sunday, the 21st of March, a 3 p.m. kickoff at Franklin Gardens. It's Northampton Saints versus Bristol Bears. It is the main BT Sport 1 HD game of the day. Uh, and to find out about our opponents, uh, Pete did another one of his uh, premiership previews, this time with Tom Vickers, who's the rugby correspondent for the Northampton Chronicle and Echo. So let's listen to their conversation that was recorded earlier in the week. Okay, well, thanks very much, Tom, for, for coming to speak to us this afternoon. Um, obviously, Bristol had a very narrow win against Saints uh, earlier in the season, but, but how would you summarise how the Saints have been playing since then? And, and are there any particular players that have stood out? Uh, yeah, I, I think it was uh, a shame for Saints, that game against Bristol, because obviously I think uh, it was widely perceived here in Northampton that was probably quite a good time to play Bristol, because obviously uh, the Bears had a lot of players missing in that game and uh, 
and, and Saints looked like they might get the job done before they, they uh, squandered the opportunity late on. But, but since then, um, at that point, they were in a real sort of rut, losing a lot of games. But they actually beat Worcester Warriors on Boxing Day. Um, and then they won three successive away games after that in, in 2021 against Gloucester, um, Wasps, and, and most notably Exeter. So they, they were doing okay. Um, and, and obviously then they've had a bit of a setback over the last couple of weeks against Bath and Harlequins and uh, obviously they're involved against Sale. So it's not been the the best season overall, but it's been a lot better than um, maybe some were hoping for at the start of the season because of how last season ended uh, in such a bad fashion. So um, it's going okay. Uh, the players to watch out for uh, in terms of the Saints, I mean, there's a lot of very talented young players. Uh, Ollie Slightholm, who's a, who's a winger, is absolutely lightning quick he's a fantastic finisher um and he's if he can stay fit it looks to a lot of us like he he could probably be somewhere near the england squad at some point in in the future not not now but in the future because he's got that much talent um obviously got players like george furbank another good young player that not many people have heard about just yet is tommy freeman who's been uh playing at fullback and he's, he's played a bit on the wing as well um he, he's very composed um and Lewis Ludham's really, really carrying the, the fight for Saints um, in the back row. He's co-captain now and probably feels a little bit aggrieved not to be playing for England. So he's, he's really been uh, carrying, the, carrying the team and helping the team uh, go forward in the, in the last few months. So there's a few, quite a few to watch, but um, it depends how, how experienced the, the team is come game day, I think, in terms of how the result goes. Brilliant, yeah. That's that's a really nice summary. I mean, talking about game day, we're we're playing again uh, at uh, Franklin's Gardens. Well, it'd be in about um, uh, ten days' time. So, how do you think that game might pan out? Obviously, Bristol currently six points clear of the Premiership. Um, but uh, what do you think? Uh, even though it's ten days away. Well, I mean, to be honest, the Saints' home form in the league has been has been really, really bad. I mean, uh, they're obviously playing Sale this weekend, but uh, up to that point, they've won one home league game since the end of December 2019. I mean, that's 15 months. One home league win, which was the one against Worcester Warriors on Boxing Day. Um, and obviously, the lack of fans at the Gardens has really had an impact on the team. Um been a real struggle for them at home you know they should have beaten Bath recently they were completely dominant 19-3 up should have got over the line easily and won with a bonus point but Bath came back and won 23-22 and uh, and that was a real hard uh, hard hitter for the Saints because you know they, they should have won that game and there, there's been a lot of those games that they should have won at the Gardens in, in recent times and they just haven't managed to get it done so I think if they can beat Sale this weekend and and sort of, you know, build some sort of home momentum they're desperate for, then, then you'd be more confident going into the Bristol game. But as we've seen from Bristol recently in uh, in recent times, they're just, we know all about them now. They're, they're such a good side. And, um, you know, Saints are going to be in for a real, real challenge in that one. It's, it's not an easy, easy fixture for them at all. So um, we don't want to be too pessimistic about the Saints, covering them week in, week out. But... Uh, but it looks like a, a very, very difficult game for, for the Saints as it stands. Well, that's that's fair enough. I mean, you're hedging your bets a little bit there, and uh, maybe it's a bit unfair to ask you for a prediction. But uh, I agree. I think I think it will be a close game. I mean, we've had a lot of close games recently, and have, have come out the other side 
positively. So, well, I, I won't put you on the spot for that. Um, but just thinking finally about the Saints, I mean, what do you think are the, the realistic aspirations for them uh, this season? It's, it's just one of those seasons where it sort of swings and roundabouts because a couple of weeks ago before the Bath, Bath game and the Harlequins game, you know, Saints players are, are in the top four. They're talking about, let, let's, we really want to kick on and, and finish in the top two. Um, you know, and although they won't want to describe these games uh, in these weeks as season-defining, you know, playing against Sale and Bristol when you're five points off the top four, you need to be winning those games and you need to be, you know, clinging on to the coattails and, and, and getting yourself in the mix. So, I, I don't know. I mean, it's uh, for the Saints, they're a club that should be targeting top four every season. You know, that's always been the aspiration ever since I've been covering the club. They've never been any different. Um, top two, as I say, will be on the agenda if they can win these two games in these two weeks and then kick on from there. So, I mean, minimum you'd expect from a Saints team every season is to be in the top four. Obviously, that's not really happened too much in recent years, but uh, but we do always have expectations for the Saints to be in the top four and, and competing with, with every other team in the league, no matter who they are. Brilliant. Well, look, thanks very much for that. That's that's excellent. And, uh, well, let's hope it's a great game. Absolutely. Thanks very much. Well, Pete, uh, very interesting again. Um, it, it, what, what I particularly picked up on was the, the home form uh, that um, Tom spoke about. And I think, what was it? I, I know this was before the weekend's game, but uh, they'd only won once at home in about, was it about 15 months? Um, narrow win, as we talked uh, about a little earlier. They beat Sale seventeen fourteen, but the uh, the gardens haven't been a happy hunting ground for for Northampton in uh, recent times. No, that's right. It's uh, yeah, he, he did point that out. It was, it was a bit annoying that they went and won. <laughs> at home this weekend <laughs> that kind of but i think uh, I, I don't know i think uh, i think it was interesting also that he took, when i asked him about their aspirations um that you know he said that really that they they see themselves as a top four club every season and they they are one of the kind of uh, the intelligentsia of the Premiership, aren't they? And they, they haven't been, you know, last season they started well and fell away. And, and, and um, but they, they're on a bit of a, they feel, I feel like they're on a bit of a march. So got to be careful. They've got some seriously good players. And I noticed at the weekend, they, they got Harrison back. Um, they got a young lad at Scrum Half who seems to be quite good. He's, he's taken over a bit from Reinach. Um So I, I, I think it was interesting that they, they have a mindset that is a winning mindset and uh, a kind of gnarly old Kiwi coach as well. So I think we, we've got to take those warnings that he gave us. Although like every week, he was also very complimentary about Bristol, wasn't he? And uh, didn't really sound very confident. I, I didn't really put him on the spot much because I, I thought he may... Uh, being a journalist, he might he might not be too pleased to be pushed on a on a on a on a prediction. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, yet again, it's nice to talk to a member of the press that thinks Bristol Bears are uh, ripping out this season. But Pete, you are a journalist now. You are a published writer, so <laughs> yeah. you, you need to you need to press him, press him. Oh, yeah, I suppose um, so. <laughs> Miles, let, let 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 me come to you then. Uh, on the off the back of that win against Wasps, uh, we've got a few players coming back. I think John mm. Evely in the Bristol Post reported that uh, Morahan and Leua will probably be back. Uh, Ed Holmes had a little knock on his ankle, but that should be good uh, for. 
for the next game. And uh, Sam Bedlow has seen out his suspension. So potentially four people back in. Nualago, question mark. You got a knock on the hip, whether mm-hmm. whether he might be fit. But the, the unavailable list is starting at last to shrink. Um, do you see Pat making many changes for this game? Um yeah, but potentially, I mean, with the, with the options sort of increasing as the players available, yeah, yeah why not? I mean, um, as Pete alluded to, and, and obviously his interview, Saints are a tough side. They always have been. And but a few years ago, I would have most of the time predicted a loss against them. So they're a good, they're a good unit. There's no crowds, obviously, at Franklin's Gardens. Um, and I think yeah, maybe we'll make a few changes. We, we know that you know, Tiff's the only number 10. So surely if he's not starting, we're going to have Sam Bedlow on the bench as support. Now he's um, played out his ban. Ed Holmes probably on, on the bench to sort of play a little bit of the game. And, you know, you know in that last game, I thought Siva had a, a quieter game, didn't he, on Friday night? Um, we talked about all the other players, but he was, you know, it, it was okay. So if he took a knock, he may not play. And, it's, it's, it's a good point for discussion, really. Uh, Purdy is playing so well. You do wonder, really, Morahan is going to have to fight for his place back in the squad, really, especially coming off injury. And it's hard to see, I think we agree, dropping um, Purdy for Morahan at the moment. So potentially a few changes. Good that Leo is back. He's always massively strong in the centre role on attack and defence. So potentially a few changes, yeah. Uh, Lee, how, how do you see uh, the, the the game go? Or well, not the game going, but how how do you see Pat's uh, selections? Do you think we'll see that many changes? I think, we, we, I think it'll be more based on the fact that Pat now can actually rest some of these players that have had a lot of game time. Um, I, obviously, we've still got to be a bit careful with with Big Husey as well, because you know, like the lads have said, the strap in that was that was applied to his leg. We can't, you know what I mean? We can't just throw him back in and, and give him 80 minute performances, but I, it's, it's a nice, it's a nice selection policy for Pat to have now, isn't it? With these guys returning. So it does mean that we don't have to, to have the players on the pitch for, for as long as they have been playing in recent weeks. Okay. And Pete, your thoughts, do you, what changes do you see to, uh, to the 23? Only cosmetic. I think, <laughs> whatever that means. So a, new, a, a, a new hair do for Nathan then? Well, yeah, I was thinking Nathan ahead. Yeah, I think Max made Dyer's hair green and white just to put them off a little bit. And uh, and I don't know. I, I to be honest, I, I don't know. I don't really. I don't really like predicting teams because I find that I just I end up I can't think of anything. But you boys have said all right. Um, I, I think definitely Andy will carry on playing at scrum half. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> uh, so if that if that's any good, and I, I actually maybe well let's see let's have a, something a bit more insightful. John Afoa, he's obviously Pat has kept him off out of the firing line a little bit since that time he got taken off. Uh, came on, didn't play at all against Worcester. Came on, had just under a half. Is he going to start him? to kind of try and get a foothold over Saints? Uh, are we going to try and play a sort of game where we try and get some domination over them? Because they're dangerous, but I think they're the sort of team that if you can get some sort of, get get a foothold into them, they can be a bit flaky and 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 
you know, we'll. So I wonder whether we'll go all guns in the first half, or whether we're going to keep a strong bench. <laughs> I don't know. I'll say that we'll go all no. guns in the first half. Well, I, th- I think for me, the interesting things, uh, Tiff Eden, I think he's done yeah. enough to uh, start at 10. And, you know, it will be great for his confidence to get another 80 minutes in in that position. I think it'll be interesting. I think Purdy, as you said, did a good defensive shift. But, um, you know, potentially we will we see him shift out to one of the wings, uh, possibly Bedlow come in uh, at centre, because uh, he's certainly well rested. Um, I just wonder with Bedlow but, whether he's, he's got a bit more work to do to get back into Pat's good, Pat's good books before he gets picked again. Uh, I mean, given that Purdy played all right, um, you know, I don't know. I'm sure that he probably wasn't, he wasn't flavour of the month after that tackle, but I don't know. Well, we've we've certainly got some competition on the wings now, haven't we? We, you know, you were talking about Morahan having to to fight to get his place back. Nua Largo, obviously sensational a couple of weeks ago. Adi Alokan looking more and more like the real deal. You've got Leoa as well. You've got Purdy that plays there. Uh, Yian Lloyd when he comes back, which won't be for the the next game as well, can, and the can do a job out there. Oh, so forget the Frickster. <laughs> And the Frickster, uh, so uh, plenty, plenty to choose from there. Okay, well, let's go to predictions then for the game. Looking at last week's game, I think the nearest was Lee uh, with his 32-14 prediction. So uh, that was the closest. So, Lee, let me come to you first then. Uh, Bears away at Northampton. What are you going to go for? I, I I feel quite confident about this one as things stand. I don't know if it's because the, the returning players would just give us that much strength, more strength and depth. Um, I'm going to go for 26-12, Tony. 26-12 to Bristol. Okay. Uh, Miles, let me come to you next. What uh, What are you thinking? Uh, I've literally just adjusted my prediction, boys. You know, like me, I'm going to go for 23-17 to Bristol. 23-17. Pete, do you see this as a romp, a solid win or a narrow win then? I, I'm I, I'm a bit like Miles there, I think. I, I'm... I just, I think we uh, got consolidate. So I think, and we may rest a couple of players with Europe in mind. I, I think we'll be 21 15. 21-15. Right. Well, I am going to go for... Uh, I'm going to go for 24-19. So we're, we're all, all there or thereabouts uh, with those, those predictions. You're listening to Bears Beyond the Gate, a Bristol Bears podcast made by fans for fans. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Buzzsprout, and many more platforms. You can contact us with your comments and ideas by email at bearsbeyondthegate at gmail.com. On Twitter, we're Bears Beyond Gate. And on Facebook, you can like and follow our Bears Beyond the Gate page. Well, um, Six Nations uh, games this week. Um, Nice to see England get the victory. But let's talk about some of the Bears performances for their respective international uh, countries. Uh, Miles, um, Max Malin's got the first start uh, in an England shirt. Uh, How do you think he fared? 
Yeah, I mean, it was fantastic, really, to hit, to, to get his first international start for England, um, to sort of take over from that daily slot. And I thought he had, an, you know, to be fair, an average game. Some of his runs were pretty good, actually, but he gave away a few penalties. But that's to say that France and their sort of jackaling was superb, really, and maybe there wasn't the support from the England players coming in. Um it was all right. I mean, he didn't really, he wasn't really on fire. And I think I hardly noticed really that Elliot Daly subbed him off. So maybe that's a sort of telling point, really. An okay game. I don't know that Eddie will potentially start him next time, to be honest with you, lads. Okay. And what what did you reckon about Sinclair? Uh... He was he was solid. You know, the, the most thing I noticed about Carl Sinclair is he's constantly chewing gum, isn't he? Um, <laughs> very dangerous. <laughs> it's very dangerous. My wife commented on this. She said, "Why is he not wearing a gum guard? And why is he gum shield? Just open to gum shield, open to choking with a bit of gum." He said, "Surely that's illegal." But you know, he had that sort of uh, barefaced on him as normal, that hard, gritty sort of sink that we love. Really, he had a solid game. I think out of all the three, I mean, Pete can perhaps talk about Bernal's performance. I couldn't really. He didn't really put a foot wrong, to be honest. He was solid, you know, brilliant in the ruck and in the scrums. And I think he's going to be a massive asset when he comes back to us. Well, Pete, let, let pick up that point then. Uh, how how you thought Ben Earl, and then we'll move on to the Wales game, and maybe you can talk us through uh, Shubi's performance. Well, Ben Earl has been in that England camp for a long time, waiting for a bit of action, comes on, gives away two penalties. And in fact, what Ben Earl did was even worse, was that he made Johnny May look like a complete idiot because there was a there was a bit right towards the end, it was quite well publicised on the telly, that it looked like Ben Earl had, had, had won a turnover. Um, and you could see, like, Johnny May was like a man possessed, like, punching the air and all this sort of stuff. Like, literally, his bulge is like... I think you know it, his carotid artery miles was like pumping. Anyway, yeah. then the TMO pointed out that Ben Earl had just been lying on his shoulder on his elbows for about ten minutes before he got the ball. And the ref reversed the penalty. And you don't see that very often because it was such an obvious, you know, not supporting his own body weight thing. Um so Ben Earl looked like a bit stupid and Johnny May looked even worse. So they obviously stopped talking. Um yeah, I mean Ben Earl, it's hard to judge. I hard to judge those boys when they come on because what what are you trying to do you know you're trying to make a name for yourself it must be the temptation must to try just a little bit too hard which perhaps what ben did to make an impression because you're so desperate to do something because you haven't been doing anything um and it's difficult he's only a young lad um max malins i agree with you i know you've talked about him but i i just thought i actually thought daily looked much better when he came on um much better than he has done for a long time and I just thought he looked good enough for, for Eddie to stick him back at 15 I, I just think Malin's you know you give away two penalties you pass one into touch you don't really make any yardage although he does look like a thoroughbred my mate who doesn't know anything about Bristol texted me and said Malin's was rubbish so I think you know we've got to take our way I'll take ourselves out of the Bristol kind of shoes and say if you were watching Malin's and you had no idea about him you wouldn't have been that impressed <laughs> Talking about Wales, though, if you didn't know anything about Callum Sheedy, you would have thought, whoa, what a boy he is. Got his debut try for Wales. Another lovely little running line came on, looked the business. He, him, it, To me, it looks like Wales now have got this lovely little play bigger in the first half, 
bring Callum on in the second. It's almost like a 50-50 to Callum just comes on to shore it up and just add to it. So, I mean, I know it was only Italy, but and that's a bit unfair because it's still professional rugby. But I thought Sheedy's just going to, I mean, he is going to be swaggering back to the high performance centre in a few weeks, isn't he? It'd be, it'd be like they won't recognise him when he comes back. So, uh, um, but having said that, Sheedy's got one of the biggest games of his life coming up in Paris he'll no doubt be on the bench I'm sure they'll start with bigger but it'll be interesting for us to see how he copes and, and it's obviously if he was there with like 80,000 uh, Parisians shouting out it'd be, be a bit different so um, I think things like this has helped people like Callum not having a crowd in many ways he's just been able to focus on what he does well um, so maybe next mm. season we need to judge him when he starts playing against some cr- with uh, some crowds in the stadium yeah, it's uh, certainly another fantastic performance by uh, Callum. So yeah. congratulations to him. I'm sure he he, he maybe had uh, just the one glass of Chianti after that game in Rome. Uh, and talking about wine, Lee, um, we're going to have a little bit of Bordeaux uh, in two or three weeks' time. Uh, what did you think of that draw, uh, Bordeaux-Beglaise away? Um, well, surprisingly, I think that I, I had a, a real sneaky suspicion that we were going to get them. I don't know why, but obviously, I mean, it's going to be a really, really tough, tricky test, this one, because, I mean, you know, I know we beat them in the semifinals, but that game was really tight, and Jalabert coming off when he did, um, that, that in the end was, was influential to, to the outcome. So this is going to be a really, really solid test for us. Yeah, I mean, they, they haven't quite hit the standards uh, in the top 14 that they did uh, last year. Uh, but even so, I think I think they're top four or five. Um, but some, some good news is that Pat reckons that uh, Semi Ranrandra will probably be back and fit for the European Games. And uh, again, you can almost see it written in the stars that, uh, you know, if he's back after eight weeks off, um, and let's face it, he this, this has been to rest to make sure an injury, a, a slight tear doesn't get worse. It's not like he's had to get himself back fit. Um, uh, so, uh, you know, he is going to be chomping at the bit, isn't he, to, to get out there. And, uh, of course, with the, the kind of double draw, we also know that if Bristol can beat Bordeaux, we then have a home quarterfinal, which would be against either Racine 92 or Edinburgh. Your, your thoughts on that, Lee? I, I don't want to think that too far ahead, if I'm honest, Tone, because I think Bordeaux is is going to be a really tough game, and I I um I I think that was very very dangerous territory to go down to think possibly, but I think if we did, I think it would be Racing that we'd be playing. I think they would be too strong, um, and that would be again another almighty game, wouldn't it? I mean. You've got to remember, boys, it was a couple of years ago we were talking about this type of scenario is, is everything we were hoping for and hoping that we'd achieve. And now we're coming to this stage where we're actually talking about these games and it is absolutely brilliant. And again, I don't want to you know, we keep saying like, it's such a shame we can't go and see these games, but you know, you could just imagine it, couldn't you? If we'd beaten Bordeaux away and then we've got Racing at home, it would be absolutely belting down at, at the gate, wouldn't it? 
Oh, it'd be rocking, wouldn't it? Especially, you know, if it's an evening game under the lights, 26,000 for a quarterfinal of the uh, Champions Cup. It would be absolutely sensational. Um, Miles, let me come to you. Let's move on from uh, Europe because we'll no doubt be talking a lot more about that uh, in a week or so's time. But uh, we've uh, seen a couple of new faces at uh, the High Performance Centre this week. We've got uh, Stephen Kerins, who's a, a scrum half, who's on a one-month loan from Connaught, uh, and um, uh, Mr McElroy, I'm not going to try and pronounce his first name, um, who is uh, a hooker ex-Saracens, who is with Bristol for a full-week trial. Um your, your thoughts on those two arrivals? Well, should, should we try and pronounce his name? We, we were discussing this. It's either going to be Tad, Tadja <laughs> or Ty. Or Ty, Ty McElroy. Mm-hmm. I mean, so yet again, Fat, uh, fat Pat is pulling <laughs> his strings Wait, with... Pat, you, just, you just called Pat Lamb Fat Pat. <laughs> so that's what, you're going to have another black eye, mate. I mean, week. you're just talking about pulling, <laughs> yeah, yeah. pulling Todger as well. <laughs> <laughs> if our, our Pat Lamb is, again, pulling his strings with his contacts in his old club, Connaught. I mean... Um, I mean, we're really, the, the, the number of players coming over the Irish East to Bristol is, is far outweighing any number that are really going back to Connor, isn't it? But it's good. It's, good, it's a good contact to have. Yeah, you can understand, really, that we're now down to only two fit scrum halves, aren't we, uh, with, with Erin and Kessel. One of them gets injured, and we are royally screwed after that. So fair play. Bring Kerrins is. You know, there's a little video posted on Facebook this week, he looked pretty sharp, didn't he? In a, in a sort of in a game that was on there. I, I, to be fair, I don't know anything about McElroy really, but this is a four-week trial. It, it does seem a bit odd, doesn't it? I think that we okay in the hooker front. You know, Ben Burns back. We've got Capon and we've got Kloska. Um, so it, it's a bit strange, I think, to sort of bring someone in the four-week trial. Thacker, really, you know, maybe sort of a month, six weeks away. Pat's got it, got an idea behind it, but I can't fathom that one. Well, Lee, let me come to you. Can you ever have too many hookers in a party? I certainly couldn't. Eh? <laughs> I certainly couldn't. <laughs> but I mean, just just uh, all joking aside, I mean, this McElroy, he's a he's a he's a decent young kid, man. I mean, he's been, I think he's been wrongly slated from you know obviously because he moved to Surrey's and he, he he would have potentially had a a big future with Ireland, wouldn't he? Um, and he moved to Saris at a young age, and I think he's he's come with a, a he's been stigmatised with I think unfairly, um, and I I think that this is it's a it's a good young talent, but again I, I am struggling to find out where um, where he's going to really fit in anywhere really. Um, like you say, we've got we are we are definitely hooker heavy, aren't we at Bristol? So. Um, but you know what Pat's like? He's He's got the eye for the bargains. You can go through the list, O'Connor, Baltimore, you know, all these Purdy, all these guys that he's brought in. And um, no, none of us knew who they were to start with. So, yeah, this could be another mm-hmm. potential, potentially a good signing. Pete, you want to say something? You want to pr- get the pronunciations <laughs> right, right, I'm sure. Yeah, no, I've got an alternative theory. I reckon he's one of these pro rugby players that don't really fancy playing day week in, week out because it is quite hard. So I reckon he's a, he's a tackle bag for hire. 
He's uh, <laughs> he, he sells himself. He's like the Georgian rugby team, you know, when Eddie Jones brought them in to play England to to, to rough them up a bit. I reckon Pat's he's, he's knocking around, not doing anything. Pat's rung up and said, "Look, I'll pay you a few hundred quid to get the uh, kicked out of you at the high performance, uh, just to get our boys like psyched up just for the game." So basically, his contract runs. He doesn't do anything all week, but he does. It runs about an hour before each game, and he literally they all line up. It's gonna be like a big game of. British bulldog, and he's just going to be the tackle bag. I thought you were going to, going to say it's like a big game of smash the hooker. Well, yeah, yeah. well, yeah. Anyway, family show. Um, so uh, no, but in all seriousness, I do wonder whether he's he's more of a a training kind of signing, as it were. But then. Uh, because none of the academy lads fancy it, you know. So uh, we'll see. No, it's it, it is a bit bizarre. Um, but you know, maybe Pat, you know, he's like that. You know, he sees a bit potential, and and you know, he wants to develop people and and have a look, see what he's like, and then you know, deal with it afterwards if he, if he's any good. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, we shall see. And uh, Pete, as well, something uh, interesting uh, bit of news from Leicester, and that's that uh, the fly half Tom Hardwick uh, was released with immediate effect. Now, I think this was someone that that was briefly mentioned about a possible target for Bristol. What? Any any thoughts? What's going on there? Well. Either Steve Borthwick, he had a massive falling out with Steve Borthwick, um, or he just looked at it and thought, you know what, I just don't fancy this as a career. It just looks hard. It looks quite hard work. I mean, you can imagine if you're a young lad and you maybe you're quite bright, and you see all these these people getting smashed up week in week out. You think, you know. Could I do something else? It is a bit odd when you know we always love it when people get released, uh, you know, without um, without any kind of explanation, and it gives us loads of time to speculate. Maybe I, who knows? I'd like I'd, I'd like to think. I mean, Steve Borthwick's a big unit, isn't it? Can you imagine that if there was some falling out, uh, it would have been pretty nasty behind the scenes. So we should ring up um, Adam Whitty at Radio Leicester, who we we had on the pod a few weeks ago, and see what he thinks. Maybe I'll send him a message. We 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 said. Sit- we, we we certainly should, but uh, of course, with the end of the Six Nations just round the corner, and Sheedy and uh, uh, Malin's back in camp in in a couple of weeks' time, our, our fly half crisis uh, suddenly doesn't look uh, quite so bad. Um, Right, moving on, we had uh, a message from uh, on our Twitter feed from Nick Howell. That's at nehowell76. Uh, Nick talked a bit about the game, but also highlighted something that I think we've all been missing. And uh, in the words of the song, where be that blackbird to? Because the Bears' victory song that has lit up social media for most of the last 18 months has suddenly disappeared. Now, Lee, let me come to you. Um, any thoughts on why the Blackbird suddenly is, is so quiet? First of all... Do they, do they hibernate? No. I mean, first, first of all, I want to say Nick's got a great... Uh, a great taste in uh, in beer as well, so he's he's uh, he's a good lad. But um, I, I we we did mention this, didn't we? I think not not on the pod, but um, we talked about this privately because we hadn't heard about it for for a while. And it's it's a great question. I mean, the only thing I can think of is that it it must be something COVID related, surely, because 
you know, like you said, it was like the highlight of the week, wasn't it? When we when we got the victory, seeing the boys singing the singing the Blackbird song, and um, it's told off to nothing. So, and that's the only thing that I could I could put put it down to really. I don't know what you boys think. Well, Lee's made that point. Is it something COVID related? But let me come to you, Miles, because we've seen the Blackbird song sung on the pitch at Bath. I think was it sung on the pitch mm-hmm. at Exeter. You know, is there something more to this? Do we think that the Wurzels, who are the copyright <laughs> owners of this song, have, have come in with a big royalty demand because it's getting so many views on social media? They 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 want their cut of the uh, the cash cash and maybe a bit of Thatcher's as well. That that is a fantastic point, TC. I mean, we that may just tip us over the salary cap, paying the Wurzels royalty <laughs> to be that Blackbird. That's my theory, but it is quite strange that you can have a little bit of a huddle again at the end of the game, can't you? We've seen a few teams hug, hugging, really disobeying COVID rules. Bristol seem quite good at their air high fives, and I can't understand, Riley, why they can't pro- provide a, a larger circle, social distance, and have a bit of a sing-song outdoors with relatively low risk of passing COVID on. A strange one. Some fan might actually enlighten us from Bristol Bears. Uh, and Pete, what, what do you think? You know, uh, are we as fans missing out because we're not getting? You know, we've had some narrow wins. We've beaten some some of our local opposition. We're not getting the Blackbird. Are we missing out? Do you have a theory on what's going on? Well, I don't know. I think you've covered the two main theories: either COVID or copyright. Um, I don't. I don't know. I, maybe we should uh, get some sort of fan based community thing going like a community choir of bristol bears fans and we all you know like when you have like about 100 of us all on zoom and we're all singing our little parts i mean there's got to be someone out there like a gareth malone type person who uh, in the bristol bears <laughs> fanhood oh, well we know someone don't we we know we a head do. of music at uh, 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 who's a And then what they could do is we could, you know, have this sort of the Blackbird done, and then after the home games, they could project it onto the uh, onto the screen, couldn't they? And the Heineken box, and uh, the players can then, um, you know, can watch it and they can sort of sing along. So maybe that's the answer. I, I don't know is the answer, Tone. <laughs> or just just one Lee. quick one. They could do a mini vanilla, couldn't they? And they could just they could just fake it. You know, so they record. They already they, they record their parts individually in a in a, in a safe environment. Tony, do and we then, need an editorial intervention to explain who Millie Vanilli are to any <laughs> any listeners? Yeah, any, any listeners under the age of forty will be struggling big time with that. Uh, that, but but there we are. We're educating people. So if you don't know who Millie Vanilli are and uh, what happened, then. Uh, get to google and and find out um but yeah we we shall see maybe we do i i quite like that idea of a fans choir so if the boys aren't going to uh give us a rendition of blackbird maybe uh maybe it's us up to us and uh yeah oh i could certainly see that ready for the european oh, yes. games couldn't you that, oh, that, yeah. that, that would be great uh well that's nearly it for um this week but uh lee i think you've got a shout out 
out that uh, you'd like to do? I, I do, actually, Tim. I mean, I need one of you boys to tell me what the official program was called. I mean, we know what it's the Integrated Scholarship Program, no, is it? No, 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 you got it wrong straight away. I got it wrong. Yeah, <laughs> it's, the, it's the, Bristol, the Bristol Bears Academy Scholarship Program. So you were close, that, but it's the Integrated Academy, something else. So it's, it's, uh, it's essentially I, young lads at school or, or college around Bristol are identified as having potential to be professional rugby players and are, are enrolled onto a, a kind of scholarship program that's administered by Bristol Bears Academy where they get access to some of the professional coaches um, as a way of kind of mentoring them to see if professional rugby is, is something that uh, that I guess that they're, 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 they're willing to, to, to go for or, or they have the right um, characteristics for. So, uh, but it's a great thing to do. I mean, for any lad, that any young lad in the, the area that gets on that scholarship program is, is the first step to a potential career in rugby. So was it your mate's boy? It, it was, yeah, and thanks for that. The, the long wind, the, the longest wind. <laughs> <laughs> that was just, I'm just trying, as Tony title. said, I thought we were here to educate. We're here to educate our listeners. Yeah. No, all joking aside, Tony, it was um, it was one of my best mates at school, Nick Collier. It was um, he's a he's a brilliant lad, and do you know what? His boy Jamie um is is just um just you know, got his contract signed there, and. I just wanted to say, like, it's it's nice um, to see kind of the like the hard work and the dedication that goes into not not just the the end product, but the whole family around it, and it just goes to show like how difficult and how time consuming it is that you know that that's, to get someone to that level. Um, it really is a collective family effort. And I just wanted to say I'm really proud of Jamie and really proud of Nick and the all family. I think, yeah, it's, it's brilliant. We've got one of our own. So fantastic news. That, that, that's great news. So uh, good luck to to Jamie on the scholarship programme and as well the other seven lads. Uh, I think that was announced last week, was it? Uh, so fabulous programme by the uh, the club to to give eight people each year this opportunity um, to to see if uh, they they can make it in, uh, in 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 as a professional player uh, potentially of the future. So uh, yeah, good luck, Jamie, and we'll be uh, we'll be keeping an eye out uh, for for how you get on well that's it for this show um if you like what you've heard please leave a review or rating for us on your podcast platform we'll be back next week with our review of the northampton game and more bristol bears news and views until then goodbye stay safe and come on briz Mm -hmm.